Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Handoff right up the middle into the end zone. Touchdown, Air Force, and the Falcons strike first here in the second quarter. Last play of the first half. The kick is up, and it is good. He nailed it. 58-yarder. 17-0 is our score, and everything's going Air Force way. It's third and eight. Running the pitch to the outside to the five into the end zone. Touchdown. Handoff up the middle into the end zone. Spinning into the end zone. Touchdown. Air Force Tavon Burdo has the score. That's his fifth touchdown of the season. The Falcons, their fourth touchdown on the game, and they're an extra point away from going up 31-7. to Man. Cowbells. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I actually seen someone on Twitter that's like that Utah State's going to come out playing like they're protecting their dairy farm. So that's how I feel like they're going to come out. We're ready to protect their dairy farm, and we're going to take over. So that's the plan. Taking over the dairy farm. That's from Diane Guanaloku. Close enough. Uh, down there at BYU Media Availability today. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, David James filling in for Gordon today. Some strong words from Diane DJ. And uh, this BYU with uh, them beating Boise State and Utah State struggling against Air Force. I think this BYU-Utah State game got a lot more, well, interesting slash desperate coming up this weekend. On both ends of the spectrum. Both ends of the spectrum, 100%. I, I couldn't agree more. This game looks a lot more winnable for BYU and Utah State. I mean, it's tough to play Air Force. DJ, you've been covering the Mountain West Conference for a long Well, You've been around the Mountain West Conference, your, well, previously the WAC, et cetera, your yeah. entire life. I mean, you've been watching a lot of Air Force football. It takes it out of you to play them. Ask Colorado. Yeah, right. They got beat by Air Force this year. Yep. Hey, that'd be great. That's an in-state game. Oh! <laughs> yeah, they won't be scheduling that again. And this is a particularly good Air Force team. It is. This is a better. Air Force has actually had kind of a rough patch. But they're back, baby. They're back. And, you know, they, they gave the. I, I just think you could hear it in the, Scotty's voice. They gave Utah State all they could handle. Here's the thing about Utah State they've been good at home and bad on the road. They're four and three at Wake Forest, at LSU. At Air Force. I mean, we came right off LSU because you always knew it was going to be hard. But the fact is, all three of their losses are on the road. They won at San Diego State. Great. Yeah, thanks for that. That's a good win. I know it is. That's but a good San Diego win. State is ranked 25th with one loss, and that's the loss. You can just hear the pain in your voice now. <sighs> Undefeated would be good. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Pretty controversial there. Quick side note when is their new stadium going to be finished? Uh, I think it's still at least two years off. What are they doing? Are they demolishing? They're going to, that whole, that 17,000 spaces in the parking lot, right. that's going to become uh, San Diego State West. And there will be office complexes, making money, uh, dorms, classroom space, stadium. The The main campus is landlocked. It's There's nowhere to go. I uh, I went to one Chargers game in my lifetime. Oh yeah, sneaky fun tailgate scene there <laughs> in that giant in that well, giant parking there's lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of space and the weather's good. So that combination, you <laughs> had a great time. What more do you need, really? Right. And From, we were watching uh, a, a game with the Chargers against the Jets. Oh really? And it was still a good time because because uh, of that tailgate scene. But oh, anyway, 
got sidetracked a little bit there with the the Aztecs. So I think that for BYU, they've had a bye week to get ready here. Utah State runs the ball well. That's been a problem for BYU at times this year. You think? Yeah, I do. So there's that. Uh, As bad as Utah State looked, two things. One, some of it is a one-off because it's Air Force, and they didn't handle the option well, but... So what? Only Air Force runs the option, right? That doesn't matter. And then two, it's on the road, and they've they've just been better at home than on the road. Well, I think the concerning thing about the Air Air Force game for uh, for the Aggies is they got beat at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. How many uh, how many games do you see when that Air Force defensive line dominates? Very few. They're very technically sound. They're very disciplined because you know military academy, but they're never big. They're never dominating athletically. And Utah State got. Got seriously beat up on the line of scrimmage. The offensive line is is absolutely conf- uh, uh, concerning. So, in a season where we've seen one game not necessarily tell us anything about the next game, are BYU fans actually a little worried that Utah State looks so bad because they're due to bounce back? They won't string together four great games, no, nor will they string together four awful games. It's just a roller coaster. And BYU, no one knows that better than BYU because their fan base was way down after another loss to Utah. They were way up after beating Tennessee and USC. Down a little after Washington, they did kind of roll with that. But really disappointed in those South Florida and Toledo losses. And then, hey, look, Ma, we beat Boise State. All right. But here's the thing. Like, uh, of course, I'm a devoted listener to DJ and PK in the morning, and PK set the bar at eight. Eight wins for BYU, and I thought I picked them to go seven and five. I thought that that was um, it's a worthy goal. Uh, right. I just wouldn't pick it. But it, the the thing is, after those losses to South Florida and to Toledo, I thought, okay, there's no way they're getting to PK standard. And I, I liked him holding them to a to a high standard. Thought, oh, well, that ship has sailed. And now they'd have to win the rest of their games to get there. But that seems a little bit more possible than it did a couple of weeks ago. None of these teams are good enough to take them three at a time. Neither of these teams. None? Neither? Neither of these teams are good enough to take a three at a time. Win this game, you'll feel great about yourself. These fan bases, it's everything we've said about Utah and BYU for a long time. The fan bases rub shoulders. They work together. There's people who've gone to both schools and know each other. You want to win this game. It's an in-state game. And you'll feel a lot better about yourself. If you're Utah State, you move right to the edge of bowl eligibility at 5-3 and three and set yourself up for the the four-game sprint to the finish. And you still, you still control the race from your perspective. I'm trying to avoid... Phrases like control your own destiny. Gordon people, does hate that. Well, people will be tweeting at us right away. Well, if it's your destiny, then what coach just uh, wouldn't answer that? UCLA. It was UCLA. Chip Kelly? Yes. He was asked, have you told your players they control their own destiny? Because at 2-2, two and two, if they went out, they beat USC and Utah along the way. Mm-hmm. And they could get to 7-2 and two and win the tiebreakers. Because both those teams have a loss. They could. And instead of addressing <laughs> the fact that the point of it, which is, hey— you're in the race. You're going to be in the race on Halloween. You're literally on Halloween. You're going to go into November with a chance, not needing any help. He just went to the point of, well, if you're destiny, it's preordained and nothing we do matters. And I don't believe that. So why would we even talk about That's it what if Gordon it's already been says. decided? Right. Yeah. And he just, just dropped that and just. Shut and it I down. always make fun of him. Do you take every sports cliche literally? You know, yeah, if right. he's on fire out there, he's not actually on That's fire. Right, right. Hey, they threw a bomb. <laughs> they, really, no. they really didn't. No, that Where didn't did that actually happen. stop from? Is that some World War II thing? I Is don't that, know. They started passing after World War II. Somebody came up with that? You know, if you're leaving everything out there on the floor, you don't see basketball players peeling off uniform. Be like, hey, coach told me. Leave it, leave all, it out, all out here. On the floor. So You, you know, know how I be. I <laughs> leave it all out there. <laughs> So I never understood that that Gordon picked that particular cliche to be like, well, that's not literally what it means. 
What about every other cliche that we hear? Anyway. If BYU gets this win, then they're 4-4, four and four, and they can win three in a row, they better. Uh, against the three teams that aren't as good, yeah. which would be a four-game, five-game win streak at that point. And then you have your Aztecs at the end of the year. And right. And you'd be that, playing for the eighth win. Right. And, and you, that, that that's going to be a tough game regardless, but insurmountable? I don't see, think so. See, when you get there, there have been plenty of injuries in college football this right. year. I don't think we should be talking too much about a game that's a month away. Who knows what a team will look like when you get there. Cal was 4-0 and looked great, and Chase Garbers got hurt, and they've lost four in a row. Let's flip on over to Utah for a second, DJ, because I can uh, break down the schedule with you, and I know you like to do that, and PK gets after he you all, all the all the time. So uh, I'm going to let you, you know, do what you do what you want to do. Schedule, my man. But it seems to me, and this is an, uh, a great leap, I don't think that there are two games that are critically important if Utah is to win the South, and that, of course, is Utah Washington this weekend. Yeah. And Oregon, USC, is that in two weeks? No, no, that's a doubleheader. Is that, oh, this weekend as well. Fox has, Big Fox has both games. After this, USC should win out, you just and want, Utah yeah. should win out. Right, and I agree with that on paper, but if we've seen anything in college football, that's not how it works. Well, and especially and, in this league. And I'll say, especially in this league, you're right. And I will also say that USC is a little bit like Utah State, really good record at home, really not good record on the road. SC just got their first road win, and their road schedule's been tough, but they went to BYU and lost, and they went to Washington and lost, and they went to Notre Dame and lost, and Notre Dame's the most understandable. Notre Dame's a two-loss team, and it was a three-point game, and you know you played well, so fine. Right. But you shouldn't be 1-3 and three now, especially because you were freakishly close to 0-4, and, and there would have been no way to spin the loss at Colorado. And they were down 10 in the fourth quarter, and they got two late scores. I think they threw like a 37-yard touchdown pass with mm-hmm. 2.15 to go or something like that. It was getting late. Slova stealing, though, it coming was getting from late. behind. Hey, and you know they've got the receivers, and he's their backup quarterback, and he didn't win the job right out of the gate. Those receivers are awfully good. They make but everybody who, better, right? Who, should, who do you have more confidence in winning, Utah over Washington or Oregon over USC? Well, I don't have a lot of confidence in either game. Neither does Vegas. Um, Utah by three and a half. I haven't looked at the Oregon one. Six. Hmm. Opened, opened at seven, came down to six. It's a little bigger than I would have thought. But I would say, and it's probably just the bias that I sit here and see them all the time, I would say the Utes. I was looking, I went to the Kyle Whittingham press conference. I usually go to Kyle Whittingham's press conference on Every Monday. Monday. Yeah. And uh, they pass out the game notes. They got a thing in there, and you can look at the rankings, you know, where you are. And, like, Washington isn't great at anything. They're pretty good at everything. And, and there was a question that generally went down that road. And Kyle's like, well, they're in the top half of the league. They're doing pretty good, looks like to me now. You know, what do you expect a coach to say on Monday? Hey, guys, there's three areas where uh, fill-in-the-blank school really blows, and I want you to focus on these, said no football coach ever. I would be tipping your hand just a tad. Would, Although they'd be my favorite football they'd coach. They'd be my yes, favorite football 100%. coach. And that press conference would be must-see TV. But that's not really how it works. So he pointed it. And so then you look at it, and Washington is fourth and fifth in a lot of categories. Here's one they're terrible in. They're 120th in the country in fourth down conversions defensively. Kyle's going for it. If, the, if Utah has a fourth and one or a fourth and two, Kyle is going for it. Well, especially Assuming they're since, not backed up in their own tent. Right. But, I mean, if they're at, if they're at midfield or, or if he's thinking about a 38-yard field goal. He's not going to do it. Uh-huh. No. And, and maybe even a chip shot field goal. I mean, he may just want seven more than three, right? So, But keep that in the back of your mind, that if the down and distance and the field position says it's okay, he's, he's going for it. 
Now, this Washington team isn't nearly as good as they were last year. They're changing over 15 people out. Could you not be? I still can't believe they lost to Stanford, though. 23 to 13. And they lost to the Cal team we just saw, uh, 20 to 19. However, Cal still had Garber. Well, I can't believe Oklahoma different story. lost to Kansas State, and I can't believe <laughs> our boy Bowler's riding going, high this weekend. Yeah, though, he is. Huh? He is. I actually, turns out I know two K State people, and they are pumped. Yeah, they're pumped. Uh, but there's very few teams that haven't haven't mucked it up yet. Most teams, it happens. I don't know what to tell you. It happens. I'm not surprised. Maybe I'm a little surprised that Notre Dame lost to Michigan, but I'm very surprised they got blown out. Oh yeah, they got blown out. But Stanford is terrible. They're really, really bad. We were talking, was it off the air? They we were been, talking about their attendance? Yeah. 12,000 people? That's what I was. Uh, that's what I heard. I mean, they're, they're awful. I thought watching the game is 10 to 15, and then somebody who covers it regularly said, I heard the drop was 12. Hmm. The official butts in seats. And I don't think it's fair to compare the Cal team now to the Cal team then, but still, that's an ugly loss as well. It's anything, two years in a row to Cal. Anything that they could do in the next TV deal, and this is every TV deal, that instead of six and twelve day windows, and I know things change fast, but get, could we go like twelve and nineteen day windows? Can we give fans a little time to? Because it just—I don't think it's working for a lot. They're making it hard. If your team's winning big, you'll show up. But the times are all over the map. You got teams playing in bad weather and late at night, and the HD experience has gotten so good. And then stream it on your laptop and on your phone. You can literally watch multiple games. Why go to the game? But it doesn't, it doesn't look great when the Rose Bowl is this big concrete bowl and it looks like it's a quarter to a third full. Embarrassing. Uh, yeah. But, but I'm seeing empty seats. I mean, you can watch games all over the country and just see big chunks. I mean, Florida State had tons of empty seats. The Florida State, they were awesome. They had a great run. Tons. Tons of empty seats. I was watching Miami was playing a home game. Smattering of people. Yeah. Well, the, the corners of the Utah game were definitely open, and I saw a conversation on Twitter uh, amongst Ute fans talking about why attendance seems to have been a little bit lighter this year. All the fans who wanted expansion forever, and now it's coming. And, <laughs> and but it, 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 late-night games, it's cold. I mean, some of the opponents don't I, turn out to be as, as splashy bad, as others. It was a bad you know? game. You're right. I, I don't play. And, and the television experience, especially late at night, is so much better. How much better is it to, to turn off your TV and be like, well, Going upstairs and the going Ute to bed. The Ute fan who stayed at home could watch the Utes, the Jazz, and the Aggies. All at the same time. All local at the same time. World Series. Right. Overlapped. I mean, there was a lot going on. And in bed before midnight, if that's your thing. Yep. All right. Uh, we'll have Tanner Mangum coming up right around the corner, so stay tuned for that. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on with the quarterback position around the state. Uh, DJ, I'm curious to get his take on, on Jordan Love and why Jordan might be struggling a little bit. And who should start down at BYU against Utah State? The guy who's uh, number two on the on the death chart, or the guy that uh, got you a win at Boise? I tweeted that out. I wonder what kind of response I've gotten to that. We'll get uh, Tanner's thoughts on that coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. Big show. David James in for Gordon Monson. Jake Scott with you as well, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Slow Mo Joe. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK. PK. How the hell are you, Joe? Oh, I had a fantastic summer. Didn't have to speak to you guys. Oh, I appreciate the love letters you wrote me, though. <laughs> I had enough tweets to me in the summer about the show coming back, <laughs> and I just really had to decide if I wanted to spend 20 minutes a week talking to you guys or not. Mitchell said you're going nowhere until he retires. Well, it's funny because he's done it literally from day one, his rookie year, he said it to me the whole time, like, hey, you're not retiring until I retire, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'll be like 74. 
moment. <laughs> there is no chance. But I will stick it out with him. I do like him, so I'll play with him as long as I can. Oh, yeah. Catch Jazzman Joe Ingles with DJ and PK every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Joe, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Welcome on back. Thanks for making this part of your day. We're going to talk to Tanner Mangum coming up here momentarily. I want to remind you to join Hanson Scotty coming up on Friday from noon to 3 as Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, surgery, or needles. That's Wasatch Medical Clinic. What's your take on what's going on at the quarterback position at BYU right now, DJ? They played so many quarterbacks, and actually, for playing that many quarterbacks, I think the quarterback play's been pretty good. I I would agree, very much. I thought Nor- I thought Jaron Hall actually looked good against. Yeah, Toledo. normally I would think uh, go right back to Hall. More South Florida than Toledo. He only threw the one pass at the end. Of oh, Toledo. excuse me, that's yeah, that's the game I'm at. I apologize. Yeah. Um, and normally I think go right back to Hall, but I got to say the way Romney played against Boise State, I'm, I'd be tempted to start him again. And I don't think that Romney played badly against South Florida when he came in uh, unexpectedly. Now he didn't finish off the the game, the, right. the comeback drive, but he he didn't look bad either. Um, I've, my, my guess is that they they go with Hall. He helps the run game a little more. See, and there it is. And the run game needs some help. It does need help. And the mobile quarterback is always a little unpredictable. If Utah State brings some pressure, you might be able to get a big play with a mobile quarterback. So I. I would guess it's Hall, but I, I mean, credit to Romney that he played well enough that we're even talking about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, for when a, you're, for a third once you get guy? to the third string guy, if for, even if you have talent, and there's some third string guys, I think, you know, you probably go around the country and say, well, they just don't have talent at the third string. But I think in addition to that, how much, not only game time, but how much practice time do you get to really be ready to go into yeah. a game? And so I suspect he didn't get a lot, and yet he was ready to go into the game. So are good you, for him. Are you guys not impressed with Siona Fino in the time he's got at running back? I felt like he's really boosted the running game. I, I think he's been I think he's been good for sure. I just don't know that running behind that line that you're gonna be able to go on the road at Utah State at a time of year when the weather may not be as good. Although actually I guess the early forecasts, which aren't terribly accurate, but the early forecasts for that game are that it'll be pretty good. All this cold weather. So what Sterling says out. Sterling's on top of that? Sterling said that forecast accuracy goes way up at forty eight hours. Fact. I'm not messing around. He literally told me that. You think Fien- you think Finale's a top guy though, Austin? You think he's a R- legit RB one? That that would be my concern. That's all. I wow, think that he, was some I think football he, talk there. You think he's a legit <laughs> RB one? I think he can be. I don't know if he is today, 
but I think he can right. be. And how do you get there? Right. You do it. You give him the ball. You see what he can get done. But you know, right now you could be right. He could need some help. And Lapina Katoa has just kind of gotten just been forgotten. And Emmanuel Asupa is showing you that he's not ready to be the everyday right. guy. So none of them. The answer is none of them are as good as Tyson Williams. And we had Jeff Grimes on, and he thought the offensive line has been inconsistent. That was his word. So regardless of who your running back is, when the line's letting guys into the backfield and blowing up plays before be they get started, right? Yep. And and Jaron Hall gives you that escapability. Also, he was running the option well against South Florida. If that's something you want to incorporate, but there's and, and Gordon's whole point when we talked about this is is that Romney he won you the biggest game of the year. You know the the pressure was all there. Everybody's yeah. jobs on the line, and and Baylor Romney went out there and won a football game against a top. What were they at the time? Top fifteen team. So yeah, I think they were. I think they were I, right I, about fifteen. I do think losing your job due to a concussion sends the wrong message to your program, but I don't know. People seem to be discounting that. Well, I'm looking forward to that game. That'll be eight o'clock. That'll uh, the start. The first half of that game will overlap with the second half of Oregon and Washington of uh, Oregon and USC. Yet another reason to stay at home and uh, watch it on television. I was just looking at a graph here that uh, college football attendance has been dropping by. About 500 people a game nationally, right? National average from 64,000 down to about 58,000 over the last decade. Just something to think about. It's just yeah, drip, drip, drip. You know, but they make so much money off TV. Do they really care? Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line where you can get uh, the $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Joining us now, making his weekly appearance on the show, former Cougar quarterback Tanner Mangum with us on the big show. Hi, Tanner. How are you? What's up, guys? I'm doing well. Thank you. Doing better than our boy Gordon, who's uh, sorry he's not here. He's a little under the weather. Ah, I know. Poor guy. I hope he can uh, recover soon. I talked to him today. And hoping, and hoping that uh, hoping it doesn't get passed on to me at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I talked to him today. He said he, he felt like he'd turned the corner, so we've got our, our fingers crossed for our boy Gordo. Uh, but Tanner, weigh, weigh in on this discussion. We're talking about the decision BYU has to make between Romney, who, who won the game, uh, and Jaron Hall, who was the second string and played pretty well against South Florida, but uh, went out with a concussion. How do you kind of look at what's going on in the decision they have to make down there this week? It's a tough little dilemma. Because just as you mentioned, Baylor played well, and they, they beat Boise State, and he, and, he, and he did a great job stepping into a tough situation. And one could argue that maybe you just keep things rolling the way they were and you keep the momentum going. But I feel like you need to start Jaron. I, I feel like you look at his body of work. He, he earned the backup position in spring ball. When Zach was out and, and Jaron was getting all the reps at the ones, he showed that he was the, the, the sure number two, and same with Paul Camp. And then even against USF, he played well. He did some good things with his feet. He created plays. And, and, I, and I think everything that Baylor did, as great as he played, and I've been very vocal about how great Baylor did and how proud I am of him, as great as he did, it wasn't anything that Jaron couldn't have done as well. I think you give Jaron that kind of play calling. You give Jaron that kind of game plan uh, with, the, with the balance of the run and the pass and the, the trick plays. I, I think Jaron can do just as well. And, and so if, if it's up to me, I'm giving the ball to Jaron and then letting him go and, and do his thing. You know, you, you would know better than either one of us the difference between playing 7-on-7 seven seven and then going 11-on-11 11 11 in practice where you can't be hit and then what it's like when you can be hit and the lights are on and the cameras are on and the crowd is roaring. But Kyle Winningham was just talking today about Jason Shelley 
is much better in games than he is in practices. And he was the clear number two, and now he's in a battle for number two. But he's helped himself out with his game performances, although Kyle said they still don't match the practice performances. Um, How much do you think that might be a factor with Romney coming in? And is he one of those guys? You're probably not old enough to remember Ryan Hancock playing, but you probably know him or know of him anyway, if you don't know him personally. And he, I heard the BYU coaches at the time say he was another guy who was better when the lights were on and the adrenaline was pumping. Do you think that's a factor? Well, listening to Jeff Grimes in his interview in the coordinator's corner on BYU TV, he, he talks about how oftentimes you never know how a guy is going to do under those lights. A guy can, can look one way in practice and look completely different in a game, for better or for worse. And for Baylor, they didn't know how he, how he was going to perform under those lights. He hasn't played since high school, and, and sometimes it's, it's just a total toss-up. But he went out there with poise, with, was cool, calm, and collected, and the situation wasn't too big for him, which is great to see. But also, Jaron did the same. Jaron Hall went out there, and the, the, the lights weren't too big for him. And, and, and so I think it, it's, it, it's, it's a good problem to have because it means you have depth. It means you have talent. It means you have versatility in that, in that quarterback room. But I think, uh, just, you know, just as you talked about, it, it, some guys play different in practice than they do in games, and I think we also have to take that in consideration that we haven't seen how those two are performing in practice. And so we can analyze all we want and give our predictions or our ideas of what they should do, but at the end of the day, we don't see how Jaron and Baylor are performing in practice, and the coaches at the end of the day will make the decision on who they think will handle that, 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 that pressure and those lights better. Tanner, what are your thoughts on what's going on with Jordan Love up there in Logan? The production is much lower than a lot of us expected going into the season, and I'm not sure exactly how much Utah State football you've uh, been able to consume this year, but do you have any thoughts on on Jordan and what's happening up there in Logan? Well, a quarterback really, in a lot of ways, is only as good as a supporting staff around him, and and it's a supporting cast, should I say. You know, last year, Utah State as a whole, they had a lot of talent. They had, they, they had a couple guys go to the NFL. They uh, had a lot of seniors. They had a lot of uh, guys with a lot of game experience, and they're a little bit younger this year on both sides of the ball. And, and the offense and the defense, they feed off of each other. So if the defense isn't playing as well, uh, that, that, that puts the offense into, in, in tough spots and then vice versa. The offense doesn't play as well, that puts the defense in tough spots. And so then it, it can create this unhealthy cycle, if you will. But Jordan Love, as, as an individual talent, is very capable. I think he's NFL worthy. I think he's got NFL type uh, mechanics. And, and he's, he's a great player. But it's tough when you, when, you, when you don't have the best supporting staff around you. It, it can be tough to overcome uh, those holes that they, that they can get into. But that being said, I'm just as surprised as you are. I thought that the, the production would be better. I thought they would uh, continue with their momentum from last year. And, uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back this week. You know, Air Force, uh, granted, who has played a lot better, they're 6-2. and two. That's still a tough loss, though. And so that combination of a tough kind of eye-opening loss with the rivalry week, I expect Utah State to really play hard and, and prepare hard this week to be, uh, to be ready to go for that challenge against BYU and Logan. You know the numbers for BYU defensively against the run. It's been a problem. It's gotten better lately, but it's been a problem. And Utah State certainly has had some success running the ball this year. How much are you worried about that? 
Oh, I, I think uh, very worried, and I think every every BYU coach is worried about that as well. That's something that they've really had to address, and I think they, they really try to make some differences uh, in their scheme against uh, Boise State, and, and it showed. And, and I think they also just they played with more energy. Yeah, and it's, so that's going to be a storyline to look at is, is how does BYU make those adjustments uh, this Saturday because that's kind of been one of their big Achilles heels this year is, is their run defense, and it's, it's been on a downward trend the last three years. And so, yes, there's a lot of concern, a lot of criticism going, going around. Um, there's a lot of reasons for it. I think there's, some, there's been some crucial injuries that have really limited the Cougars on defense uh, talent-wise, and then I think uh, just certain schemes that they've had to adjust. But I think if, the, if BYU is going to have a shot against Utah State, they're going to have to have the type of game that they just had against Boise State. Tanner, talk about the evolution of this rivalry with BYU and Utah State. Now the Aggies have have won two in a row. Back when I started in this business in the early 2000s, of course, the conversation was, oh, BYU doesn't consider Utah State a rival. They're so above them, and it certainly has evolved. And now it's one of the games I look forward to the most for BYU during the Independence era. Can you talk about the evolution of kind of the rivalry? Absolutely. I think Utah State, credit, credit goes to them for really – kind of taking on this new identity. I think a lot of it has to do maybe with Gary Anderson and the job that he's done there and in, in, in both of his stints there, and also Matt Wells. But that team plays with a lot of confidence. They play with a lot of swagger. In a way, they play with a chip on their shoulder, like their whole team has a giant chip on their shoulder because maybe they're tired of looking, of, of, of being considered the little brother, of everyone else looking down on them, being the number three school in, in, in Utah, behind BYU in Utah. But to their credit, they are uh, these last, especially these last two seasons. They've come out ready to play. They've been prepared. They play really with a sense of ferocity and passion that that I that wasn't there before, and and really taken it to BYU. And and they take a lot of pride in that wagon wheel. And I think BYU maybe uh, hasn't in, in years past. In these recent years, they haven't had that same amount of passion or that uh, that energy that Utah State has. And uh, you know, I remember playing there in 2015. Uh, you know, snow snow banks surrounding the, the bleachers. It was a cold game in November, and it was a pretty pretty close game until the second half. But then, ever uh, you know, the next time we went to Logan, it was a completely different team in 2017. And then they won that game, and they sprinted to the wagon wheel to, to take that to, to take it back to to, to Logan uh, to keep it there with them. And it just looked like two completely different teams. And then same with last year. The way they stopped our team last year, the way they played, it was just, you know, they've really made a turn as a program, I think, to, to try and take that next. Definitely no longer someone that uh, can be considered maybe like an, an easy win or anything like that. It, it, it's, it's the opposite. They're a tough opponent. They're a, they're a well-coached team, and uh, BYU's going to have their hands full once again. So... When you go through a bye week the way BYU has, what can you change, what can you fix from the health of individual players to going back over video, fundamentals, schemes, picking your favorite place? How much better can you make your team given that extra week? Well, I think first and foremost, the health. Uh, you know, BYU has had a lot of injuries to, to, uh, you know, to across the board in each position group. And so it's always good for a team to – Get healthy and give their players more time. To come. 
same time, Boise State, you know, they, 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 sh- they should be playing with a lot more confidence now. Hopefully the coaching staff can learn from the success that they saw against BSU and, and they can uh, figure out, okay, what's working? Uh, you know, we're, we're beyond the halfway point now. What's our identity? What works for us and what doesn't? The bye week gives you time to watch that film, to self-scout and to figure out what your tendencies are and then what, what your strengths are. And, and, I, and I think it's going to be good for, for BYU because it's going to allow them opportunities to make game plan adjustments on uh, defense and, and, and offensively as well. It's going to give them time to maybe put in a few more wrinkles, uh, you know, maybe throw in a, a couple of trick plays here and there, kind of like they did against Boise State. You know, those are products of having a little bit extra time to think about uh, what trick plays can we implement to take advantage of a weakness or a tendency of our opponent. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we see one or two more of uh, Coach Grimes and Coach Roderick Sleeves uh, this Saturday. Tanner, based on some conversation on uh, Twitter last week, it seems like uh, you were a little grumpy when you played at BYU when you got bumped by the intramurals, huh? I know. I might have started a little bit of a firestorm on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, my, my whole point in, in sharing that experience was, was not to, to, to gripe about you know, what happened to me personally. I was just trying to highlight an example of a difference between BYU's program and a Power 5 program. Because I, I wouldn't imagine Tua uh, or Trevor Lawrence or Jalen Hurts going to their indoor facility and getting kicked out by the, uh, by the soccer class or the or the, uh, or the premier. It, it kind of, uh, uh, I guess, you know, my, my mentions all of a sudden skyrocketed on... Of, uh, of, of BYU maybe not putting the most, uh, I guess, investment into their, into their athletic program. So a second indoor facility on the old Provo High campus, that's what I'm hearing you say, am I right? Hey, I mean, whatever it takes. <laughs> if you want to you know, take advantage of that new space, that, that'd be great. But I just think, uh, you know, if, if I'm – a you know a, a member of the BYU program, and, and we have these expectations of being a successful, maybe you know joining a Power Five conference. Then there needs to be some changes made systemically to 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 support the team to help reach those expectations. We, you can't have Power Five goals on a Mountain Mountain West budget. It's not sustainable. Sure, you might get some big wins every now and then, but you're not going to be consistently successful. And it's going to take some uh, some revamping and some extra added revenue and resources uh, to help BYU be as successful as they want them to be. Tanner, hey, thank you so much. Always a highlight of the week. We appreciate you jumping on. Enjoy the rivalry game this weekend, man. Thanks, you guys. Have a good one. Tanner Bingham, former Cougar quarterback. We'll have more coming up next on The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Gordon out today. Knock on wood, we're hoping Gordo will be able to be back with us tomorrow. Thanks to David James, who uh, filled in for Gordon today. We always appreciate it. Thanks to PK, who helped last week. Hans, who helped last week. Uh, really uh, love our staff, Austin. We have a, we work with a lot of great people, but they're always willing to step up and, uh, and help out. So big thanks to uh, DJ, PK, and Hans uh, for helping us out because uh, Gordo... Poor guy, man. 
I, I I talked to him today, and he said he's been uh, he's turned the corner. He thinks so. Hopefully, we'll we'll see him tomorrow. But I know the flu bug got him. Yeah, when he comes back, uh, are we going to have like a quarantined uh, room for him to do the show from? Well, that's why I told him today when I was talking to him. I was like, Gordon, just just stay home and kick it, man. But that stuff will live on for 10 days, Jake. True. You're screwed. Yeah, I'm in real trouble. Because when you do a radio show with somebody, you are pretty much uh, sharing all the germs. All of the germs? Well... Good news, tomorrow we're going to be on remote. We're going to be at Granite Credit Union. But the bad news is for you, Austin, you're on remote. Uh, you have the very next remote with Tony on Wednesday at Ken Garf West Valley. So yeah. So actually the one in danger of getting sick would be? Well, it would be me, except you know that I'm a big-time germaphobe. I do know and that. And I carry around a can of Lysol spray when I go on remote. Do you want me to somehow mark the headset Gordon uses? Yes, somehow like a, a secret mark. A secret marking. Do you yeah. want me to mark that so yeah, yeah. you know not to use it? Use a use one of those uh, invisible pens like they use at the bank. Okay. On the and right. I'll just bring a black light on Wednesday. By the way, how is your finger? It is bleeding. Austin Austin has a machete like wound on his <laughs> finger on his finger that came from a piece of paper. It's a scrap paper that is ripped. You know, just take a regular white sheet of paper and we ripped it into fours for scraps, and I crumpled it. And I look down and I'm just gushing blood. <laughs> gushing. Oh, well, that's not good. Not good Not good all. for Adrian, who will be on the board here in an hour. Nope, not good for Adrian. Not one bit. Looks like a chicken was uh, slaughtered over here. Okay, that's not good. I love chicken. Well, I, I mean, blood all over the board. Right. I mean, that's <laughs> not good for the board. Yeah, I'm going to have to be more careful. I'm going to become a folder instead of a crumpler. You seriously should think about it. All right, little programming note. Uh, on the FM side of the dial, on 97.5 FM coming up around the corner, the big show will roll on for the 6 o'clock hour, followed by jazz coverage at 7. The pregame coverage, myself and Ben Anderson, will begin at 7 o'clock. Jazz getting ready to take on the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix tonight. On the AM side of the dial, we've got Monday night football for you. Got to admit, not the shiniest of matchups tonight, Austin. Uh, the winless, hapless Dolphins taking on the disappointing Steelers. But I don't know, the Steelers have a big following around here. Maybe some people will be interested. But the Dolphins, the Dolphins are, are really bad. Look, if there were a night to split the signal with Monday Night Football, the big show would do this one. Right, yeah. Because uh, not going to be great football. No. And the Dolphins traded their starting running back today, so there's that too. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. What is his name? Keon Drake? Kenyon Drake? He wins, man. Yeah, he he does he does win. Unless He's he was like, traded to the Browns. Uh, Where'd he go? Cardinals. Yeah, yeah. And their two starting running backs are both hurt, so he's actually going to play next week. And he might win. Who knows? Well, the Dolphins sure aren't. I would <laughs> guess that uh, tonight's game is going to go to the Steelers, but you never know because the Dolphins do have Fitz magic, right? That is indeed uh, the starting quarterback for the Dolphins today and the starting quarterback for the Titans next season. Do you think that's going to happen? Nah, just or, or the Bears. How did the Titans do this weekend? Uh, they won because the referees cheated for them. Oh, good. Yeah, they, who did they beat? The Buccaneers, oh, who well, uh, the Titans faked a field goal, didn't get anywhere near the same zip code as the first down. The guy fumbles, and the Buccaneers run it all the way back, and by the time and the guy was to the twenty. On the other end of the field, the referee finally blew his whistle like, nope, he, it was down, he was down, and it was not down. And Austin celebrated. Yep. Pretty much. I really, really care. Yeah, I could tell. 
I'm not sure if Gordon cares about his team less or if I care about my team less. I do want to ask you this question. Who told you long ago that Marcus Mariota was not going to be good? Some guy that uh, really, I'm amazed he has a job. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up right around the corner, we'll have Utah Jazz basketball for you. Jazz game night pregame show. Ben Anderson steps in, going to do pre, half, and post game for uh, for us tonight uh, as the Jazz get ready to take on Ricky Rubio, who is playing tonight, and the Phoenix Suns. So we'll have that sucker broken down for you coming up right around the corner. But uh, Austin, it's been a fun day. Big thanks to David James for coming up. Always fun. DJ's uh, DJ's so nice to step in, and we hope our boy Gordo's feeling a little bit better. All that is accurate and true. Did you know Ben and I uh, were jazz interns or uh, production assistants together? Together under uh, the uh, the regime of David Locke. Regime's a good word. Day, yeah. yeah, regime is uh, is a good word. And we both survived. Hatch, Jake Hatch was there with us. Oh, all three of well. you uberly yeah. successful. No big deal. That was yeah. a good crop. Of basketball. Were you interns at the time or now it's broadcast assistants? Were we broadcast assistants or interns? Well, the times have a changed, have they not? You were yes. lowly interns? We were unpaid volunteer interns. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Which, uh, you know, that was fine. That's everything we ever wanted and dreamed of. Well, Ben is in the house coming up right around the corner. We do want to say thanks to Kristen Kinney, who jumped on the show. Uh, Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated, your NBA Daily Assist. And uh, thanks to Tanner Mangum for jumping on with us as well. You can get all of our content, including those interviews, uh, in podcast form. Wherever you find your podcast, just search out The Big Show, and you'll be able to locate them and give us a, a subscribe, and you'll get all of our great content right to your phone on a daily basis. Thank you, Austin. Great work as usual, my friend. We'll be catching, of course, Tony and Austin from 10 to noon coming out tomorrow. Thanks to David James, DJ and PK, of course, 6 to 10 every single morning. DJ sitting in for Gordon today. Can't say thank you to him enough. Uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow on the big show, but I'm sticking around. Jazz pregame starts next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.